wonderful to be with you. Um, there's a small company here in church to be uh, responsible for the technical aspects. I am just reminded, my dear friends, that nothing is insurmountable to God. Amen. Nothing is. So uh, God has designed that we should meet in this way. I thank God for Reverend Darren, uh, who is the priest in charge and uh, has invited me to come to lead in this Holy Spirit conference. Uh, that's a wonderful thing that we can spend the For Joseph, thank you for ushering us into God's presence and also stirring. Uh, I believe uh, there is a need that is stirring in one of us uh, to cry out for new power, for the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. It's so good to be back uh, in All Saints English to, well, see you after completing Amir and I. Uh, we are just delighted. 30 years ago, you were the one who sent us out. Uh, this was uh, in 1991. We had um, finished our studies and came back and served, and then the bishop posted us to another congregation, St. George's and John's and Margaret's. And then, as God would have it, uh, to lead the diocese as the diocesan bishop over the last eight years. So I wanted uh, all saints, all saints, God has his hand on you. Yes. And I wanted to give you a glimpse of how Amir and I experienced the church. So in about 1988-89, I found the call of God to leave my work, I was working in Housing and Development Board in social research, to leave my work and to take a year off for full-time study. And uh, we, well, we mobilized whatever resources we could, and then a very wonderful couple uh, sponsored the tuition fees for us to study at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Chicago. Back, and I'm so grateful for all the lecturers who were there. But I wanted you to know, all saints, that many of you uh, contributed. We had someone to coordinate the givings, voluntary givings, and really, uh, we are melted. We are melted because uh, several of you gave and enabled us to move as a whole family. We had two young daughters then, and uh, we spent that year in Chicago uh, receiving uh, the Word of God from godly uh, teachers and those who are committed to the authority of Scripture and who move in the power of the Spirit. So we are very mindful of that. That is the kind of church that God has used to actually raise up many for full-time ministry. And as I speak to you today, and well, as I cover uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, I believe um, all of us at the end of the conference will live vocationally. In other words, we know what is God's calling for us, 
and it could be on the factory floor, it could be in healthcare, it could be as a teacher, whatever, or homemaker, uh, you will live vocationally for God in the power of the Spirit. And uh, I believe also God's going to call some in the course of this weekend to full-time ministry uh, and to move forward in responding to the call that is already on your heart. So thank you for being all saints. And uh, we've visited uh, from time to time for weddings and confirmation services. How good to be here to lead in this conference. The theme for our conference, the theme that I've chosen, is Come Holy Wind of God. Come, Holy Wind of God. And I must ask you, wherever you are, I pray it'll be a sacred place in the midst of your living room and your children doing some of the catch-up work at school. It'll be a sacred place. And you'll need to have your Bible in hand as we look at different uh, scriptures. So I'm going to start with the text that inspires this theme. This is common for all of us, friends. All of us, myself included, Come, holy wind of God. Come to renovate my life. Come to set me free. Come to fill me with power to live as your child and to be a part of your kingdom work. Come, holy wind of God. And it's inspired by Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 10. And let the word of God create faith in you. As you hear the word of God, let faith arise. Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, 
as he commanded me. And the breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So can these dry bones live? And the answer is yes. Now we are coming to this conference and it will not be surprising that different ones are in different spiritual state. Each one of us could be in a different spiritual condition as we come, but I bring you this passage because I believe uh, can dry, disconnected, bones that have no life, no energy, perhaps without hope as you come. But can these bones live in these COVID times when there is a cloud of gloom and darkness, a tremendous sense of uncertainty? Can we live vigorously and purposefully? The answer is yes, when the Spirit of God you. So as I unpack God's word, let faith arise and let's respond because all who ask will receive. Good measure, pressed down, running over. I have four sessions prepared for us, my friends. Uh, it may appear on a PowerPoint, but here are the four sessions. First, we're going to deal with the indispensable gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at Scripture and see how it's not possible to live the Christian life and it's not possible to be the people of God without the Holy Spirit. He is God's indispensable gift for you and me and for the church. Then we're going to look at the unmistakable filling of the Spirit. The unmistakable feeling. And here I'm referring to a specific experience in which you receive the filling of the Spirit. It is a spiritual event. It's an experienced reality that ushers you into a new life, a new life of intimacy with God, a new life of passion for His name, a new life of relationships and walking in the light. So we're going to look at this specific experience of being filled with the Spirit. And I'll use Holy Scripture to draw that out. And then, so the Lord brings us into this experience of being filled with the Spirit, but it's not meant to be touch and go. It's not meant to be sporadic. The Word of God says, be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look at that. What does it mean to have the continuous filling of the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit? So those are the three sessions for today, and God will give us stamina and desire for His Word and for all that He has for us. And then tomorrow, we're going to come back for the fourth session. It's going to be in a worship service and I'm going to be speaking about the radiant community of the Spirit.
the church as the radiant of the Spirit. Now, Joe has helped me to, I believe, to have mailed to you the PDF of the notes. So we're going to uh, jump into uh, session one, the indispensable gift of the Spirit. And as I do, I want to invite you, as Joe had mentioned, as you have questions forming in your mind, you can send them in through the chat on Zoom. But perhaps also, I'll give room uh, in case some of you want to respond uh, verbally at the end. So I pray as I speak, you are thinking through and interacting with the Word of God. So, the indispensable gift of the Spirit. Now, the context for this conference. Uh, it's not by chance that your pastor and the leaders chose to focus on the Holy Spirit in the first half of this year. It's not by chance. And I bring you first the world context. COVID-19 was not just, it's not rather, it's not just an episode, my friends, as I understand what God is doing. It's a prolonged time when man is unable to overcome a crisis and carry on as per normal. I believe God is remaking. God is remaking his church and God is remaking the world. God decides, God on the throne decides when he acts in judgment and in mercy. They come together. So he's not responsible for COVID-19. COVID-19 in a fallen world, a fallen world exacerbated by man's sin and greed and failed stewardship. COVID-19 is harnessed by God to serve his salvation purposes. God is at work. And because God is at work, I believe God is pouring out his spirit on his church that we might bring light and hope and love to a world that is now seeking, stopped in its tracks, made to listen, made to think about life. And to bear witness to the gospel by word and by deed, by our lives. So powerful witness through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God, in his sovereign grace, pouring out. Our, our songs, beloved, are prayers in song. It's, it's not just revving up, you know. Uh, please relate to the songs differently. The Holy Spirit uses as prayers, incense, praising God, but also interceding. There must be more than this. Consuming fire, fall, fall upon us and set us aglow to bring life to the world. Well, that's the world's context. Second, Singapore's context. God has a wonderful purpose for Singapore. You know, it's come through many prophecies. And you and I know we are really, in God's grace, blessed but blessed to be a blessing. We have our own challenges as Singapore becomes more and more uh, secularized. 
Uh, you know from the latest census results that there are now 20% of people aged 15 and above who profess no religion. Whether they've been disillusioned by religion and uh, just, just wanting to say no religion for the moment, or they are hardened atheists, or they are agnostics, that proportion has grown. And beloved, we can't take it uh, simply without response. That's higher than the percentage of Christians in Singapore. We thank God it's grown from 18.3 to 18.9%. Thank God for that. But there is a society to be reached. Don't ever forget that. Of all age groups, that they might know the king and the kingdom. And God has prepared our church, I believe so, as the several pastors of the city and I look at what God's been doing. We can't help but notice with thanksgiving in 2019, he rallied many churches uh, in Singapore to come together for the celebration of hope. Just a wonderful thing across, uh, it's a national evangelistic outreach. But you know our theme, our sub-theme, if you like, evangelism on a personal scale, on a personal basis. Yes, it's a mass event for the harvest, but it's a result of personal evangelism, and it is to be followed through with personal discipleship. So I believe, because God knows the end from the beginning, he has prepared us. There is already a movement. Many churches now are just so touched to hear testimonies of uh, Christians who themselves bring their loved ones to the Lord. I met a mother in the cathedral, and she couldn't help, full of joy, just to tell me, you know who taught me about Jesus? She's a teacher. But you know who taught me about Jesus? My son. She was from another faith. She was estranged from her older son, living on her own, and not quite uh, appreciating that her younger son was a Christian. But he persisted. And then God brought her to saving faith. So this is the time. Personal evangelism and personal discipleship. So many church activities cannot run as they used to. But in God's grace, providence, the church ready to disciple. So she kept saying, my son led me to Christ and my son taught me what it is to be a Christian. How wonderful uh, to have that testimony. So that's the Singapore context. Then All Saints, the local church context. What is God doing in All Saints English? God has given you Isaiah 61 to 3, arise, shine, your light has come, thick darkness covers the earth, but nations are coming to your brightness. Beloved, when we have this wonderful, it's a wonderful picture, right? Nations coming to the brightness of God's people. They come person by person, family by family, community by community. That's how nations come to the light. And so I was so blessed to hear about the Sri Lankan work pass holder and the grab driver who were just drawn in. And uh, one of them has already professed faith in Christ. 
So God, we don't despise small beginnings, but we're at this conference to catch the wind of the Spirit to see it through. Amen. Receive the Spirit so that the kingdom of God may advance. It's a life-giving kingdom and people need the Lord. So I'm going to begin now by laying a foundation for our understanding of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I hope the sequence helps and I'll take you through uh, carefully. So today, uh, this morning, first session, the indispensable gift of the Holy Spirit. I need to locate this unique gift of the Holy Spirit in terms of the New Covenant. The gift of the Spirit in the New Covenant. Now, beloved, I have included many biblical references, but they are for your study. So the way I prepared this is I will choose some texts and keep the flow and keep the time, but trust that you will take time especially uh, maybe lunch break today and tonight and tomorrow. You will take time to go over the material because as you receive the Word of God, the Spirit of God forms you to receive His fullness. So a new covenant is promised in God's salvation plan. Two important texts, Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36. Jeremiah 31, God says the days are coming when I will make a new covenant. And in this new covenant, I will write the law in their hearts. So we have this picture of, well, in the old covenant, Moses comes down the mountain and with the stone tablets, the Ten Commandments. The law is written on stone. But in Jeremiah, a day is coming when I will establish a new covenant and I will write the law, my law, in their hearts. In other words, you will be propelled to keep the written law. Nothing wrong with it, but the heart was corrupt, you see. We are all under the principle of sin. Sin is at work in our bodies and in our minds. So we know what is right, but we can't do it. And we keep feeling. But God says a day is coming. I'm going to write the law in your hearts. And Ezekiel 36. 26 says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. So God, you know, these verses are given with the nation of Israel um, sent into exile. You see, they lost everything. But God said, I'm not finished. God is never finished. God said, I, keep, I will keep my promises and there's a new day coming. And so now Jesus, you know, so it's wonderful uh, contrast. Moses goes up the mountain and comes down with the law on stone. Jesus died, rose again, ascends. And what does he send? He sends the Spirit, the law. It's a costly inheritance. God's plan of salvation fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's how God won us back and how God activated his plan for a new world. So the new covenant is established in Jesus Christ through the finished work of Christ. 
Now, when Pastor Darren next leads union, pay attention to the words because the words that he uses when he sets apart the bread and the wine, the words he uses are taken from Luke 22. And in those words, Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and distributed it. And then, then it says, and he took the cup and he said, drink this. This is my blood in the new covenant. Amen. So, <laughs> we are living in harsh times. But don't forget, we are living in the new age. God has brought in the new covenant. So you and I are not left on our own resources. You know, we're not trying to pull up our bootstraps, trying to do the best we can. God has given his spirit, spirit within us, changing our hearts, writing God's law in our Acts 2.38, Peter preaching the sermon at Pentecost. What does he say to the people? Repent and believe. And what will you receive? Repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he adds, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Vital friends, our initiation into the Christian life, forgiveness, yeah, declared righteous before God. Sin will never drive him away. We are forgiven. We don't live in the past. And when we sin in the present, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and restore us. He's bound to us in a new covenant. And in the new covenant, you will receive the gift of the Spirit. So the new age has come with Jesus. Our Lord's way of describing this is to use the kingdom of God. So Jesus majors on the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom of God mean? It means the saving rule. God's reign in your and mine. God's reign in the universe has been inaugurated. It has commenced in salvation history. God is always on the throne. But history has its own purposes, its own ages. And now in the new age, the promise in Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel is fulfilled. And you and I are in the new age by the mercy of God. Two events mark the start of the new age. Two events. First, the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, never to die again. He raised Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus later would die a natural death. But Jesus is the first fruits of those who will rise. In other words, he is the one, and because he is risen, all who believe in him, the day will come, we will rise with new and resurrected bodies. Now, the Jews, they thought that the new age is going to come at the end of his, you know, very close to the So God's going to bring in the kingdom. He's going to establish his rule. Righteousness is going to cover the whole universe. No more sin, no more darkness, no more injustice, no more tears. 
They, they thought it's all going to climax at the end. But God's ways are not our ways. And God comes and raises Jesus. Jesus dies and rises from the middle of history. But that marks that the new age, the kingdom, has already come, but it is not yet consummated. Are you with me, friends? So the physical resurrection of Jesus marks the start of the new age, but there is a... And Paul particularly brings... He has given us his spirit. The giving of the spirit is the second mark of the new age. And because of the Spirit, you and I can live differently. You and I can grow in holiness. You and I can be salt and light and life bearers to others because of the Spirit. So these are the two things that have marked that we are in a different age. And so I draw your attention to you and I living in the already but not yet. Not yet complete, but already. Jesus on the cross, it is finished. It is accomplished. What God sets in motion will, will, will take place, will be completely installed. The victory will be completely installed. But we are living in the in-between time. So the kingdom of God has already come in Jesus, but it is not yet complete. Salvation will be complete when Christ comes again and there's a new heaven and a new earth and you and I have resurrected bodies. You can read this in Romans chapter 8, verses 25 and following. So we have the first fruits of the Spirit. But we're still groaning, my friends, because it's still a fallen world, you see. But the new age has begun. It's a lovely description. Sorrowful yet rejoicing. And that's our posture, especially in COVID times. We're not just, you know, okay, Singapore is relatively better off than other nations and sooner or later we'll get this under control. No, 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 no. We groan. Every death is one death too many. Every suffering person, family, lacking oxygen, income earner, having lost his work, the suffering causes us to groan. God weeps with a groaning universe, but God has provided salvation. So we groan, mournful, yet always rejoicing because we are in the in-between. And it's in the in-between that we need the fullness of the Spirit. So there is a spiritual battle going on. You need to be prepared for that uh, because uh, this conference is bringing us to new ground. By the power of the Spirit, we need not be defeated, lackluster, and checkered by the power of the Spirit. We're going to help one another. And the power of the Spirit is going to make us a new person and make us a new community. So the Holy Spirit is God's gift in Christ.
to every believer. That's how Peter makes the altar call in Acts 2. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus of Nazareth for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Our Lord himself in John 7 says, He who believes in me, he who believes in me, this morning, do you believe that he is Lord of all? Do you believe that he died for your sins and was raised to life for your justification? In other words, raised to life as your substitute. And God accepted his death on your behalf and therefore you're put right with God forever. If you believe that, this is your inheritance. And you need this inheritance to live the life that God has purchased for you. So the Holy Spirit is God's gift in Christ to every believer and he is God's gift in Christ to the church, the new covenant people of God. I move to section three of session one as I now begin to make known the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the believer. Broadly, what Christ has accomplished in salvation, the Holy Spirit makes real in our lives. The Holy Spirit enables us to subjectively enter into what Christ has objectively accomplished. For example, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are no more enemies of God. We are reconciled to God. But more than that, we are embraced as his children. That's what God, Jesus Christ has accomplished objectively. You are no more in your sins. You are no more objects of wrath. You are objects of his mercy and his love. Now what the Holy Spirit does is enable us to cry, Abba, Father. Yeah becomes, you know, when you experience the new life in Christ. It's the Spirit that enables you to cry, my Father, my dear Father. And so the Holy Spirit makes real what Christ has achieved. The Spirit's vital role in conversion now, I trust you all have your account of how you came to personal faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes harder if you're born in a Christian family, but nevertheless, I believe you can trace that moment when you came to him and said, be my Lord, be my Savior, I give you my life. Now, that moment would not have happened without the Holy Spirit. It so happens that this morning I was blessed to hear my brother Jackson's testimony of how he came to the Lord. Stories help us to see the truth. So he was, in his words, anti-Christian. 
but the persistence of his sister praying for him and the quiet but consistent witness of a colleague, Christian colleague, allowed him to just begin to open his heart. That's all God needs. And then that God prompts it. So as he opened his heart and as a cell group began to pray for him, God met him in his dreams. And that was a word of knowledge by which the group prayed that God, he was an object of salvation and, and in the dream. And what clinched it was in the dream, he saw the cross. So it's unique. Our conversion experiences are unique, but we know God knows how to win our hearts. Now, what is important in conversion is that we receive new life in conversion. So I want to bring you this verse, friends. Would you turn to Titus chapter 3 and verses 4 and 5? Titus chapter 3 and verses 4 and 5. I'm reading from ESV. Titus chapter 3 verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. Listen to this. He saved us by the washing of regeneration. Beloved, you are born again by the Spirit's power. By the Spirit's power, you have a new heart, you have new desires, you have new values, you have a new peace. <laughs> you are saved by the washing of regeneration, and listen to this, and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour. My dear friends, too many Christians yes, take a dip into the life of the Spirit. The Spirit is the third person of the Trinity and He is active with the first and second persons. They are always working, the Trinity always together. And He is working in our salvation. And Paul, writing to Titus, captures it, you see, that the renewal of the Spirit, this is what we are receiving this weekend, that we are being renewed, made new, totally, transformed by the power of God, by the Spirit. Yeah. And that is part of our salvation. Then the Spirit's role in conversion, regeneration, then the Spirit's role in sanctification. Now, sanctification means we are born again, but we are not made perfect instantly. We are in the already not yet, so there are still battles because the flesh is there still pulling. The corruption and glitter of the world still attracts. So how do we grow in Christ-likeness? And it's by the Spirit. So the Spirit's role in sanctification would you turn now to Ephesians chapter 4 
verses 23 and 24. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. Let me pick it up in verse 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So, hey, this is not a costume change, you know. This is not, oh, we just do new activities. Now we go to church. Now we are part of a cell group. Now we study the Bible. Uh, so I want you to know, when the spirit comes... He comes to bring about inward change. And so Paul captures it, right? To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How you thought of yourself, how you thought about life. <laughs> how self-pleasure had a grip on you. You are renewed, you know, in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So, we're not dipping in the Spirit, friends. We're not looking for an extra zest and, you know, a, a bit more power. We're looking for a totally new life. <laughs> yeah, you, you enter a new country and there is much to explore and much to grow deep in. And that's how this conference is drawing you. There must be more than this, and the Spirit of God falling. Then, the Spirit's role in empowerment for mission and for ministry. So, the, the role of the Spirit in the believer, right? Conversion, sanctification, and now empowerment. Because God saved us, not by good works, but for good works, right? So it's not just a transaction, oh, now you're saved forever, you don't have to worry about death. He saved you so that you can be a new creation for his delight and for his glory and for his glorious use. That's why he saved you and me. He wants to use you to bear witness to Jesus. He's on a saving mission for God so loved the world, you see. And the church is to make Jesus real and available to others. And for that, we need power from on high. So in Luke chapter 24, our Lord, as he meets the disciples after his resurrection, what does he say to them? Yes, you are witnesses of these things, that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in my name. Listen to this, to all nations, to all nations. I just thank God, yeah, God calls us and God sends us from Singapore to all nations. It's wonderful. Now, this glorious gospel is to be brought to all nations. You are witnesses of these things. Then he says, but wait until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, beloved, we pay attention to the words, uh, clothed with power from on high. The last time we had this kind of phrase, a uh, power from on high, is when the angel Gabriel visited Mary, the mother of our Lord. She asked, how can I conceive? What does the angel say? 
the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, will come upon you. So don't make light of receiving the power. This is God's power, no? divine power. And that's why I'm going to lead in the next session, when you receive this power, it is experience. It's a decisive experience. You know it, and the signs of it become evident because the power of God has been released in your life. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is dunamis. Dunamis is dynamic energy coupled with courage and overflowing love and a holy courage and a passion, you know. Yeah, it sends you out the energy of God's goodness and the joy of what he has done in Christ takes hold of you, the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. And then you are equipped for ministry, the gifts of the Holy Spirit for ministry, which we will look at when we come to the next section. So the Holy Spirit and the believer. Let me move on to the Holy Spirit and the church. So we need to know that the new covenant has wonderful blessings for the person, but it doesn't stop there. It's vital, friends. As I joined Pastor Darren and you all this weekend, my heart's desire is that you will be a new community, a new community of disciples. Yes, personally, many of you will come to life, but it doesn't stop there the community that is formed. So I bring to your attention that the church is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. This is very clear from 1 Corinthians 3.16. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Where is the temple? Now that Christianity is birthed, where is the temple? Judaism had its temple in Jerusalem. Where is the temple? Paul just says to the believers in Corinth, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You, the church, the believers there. Do you not know that that is where God's presence, God's power is known, God's love is known. God in the midst of his people. So the church not as a building, but as a community. Then I found in the New Testament, and the Holy Spirit comes upon the assembly. The assembly of God's people. So, of course, ideally, we are meeting, meeting together physically. But in these days, the assembly is through Zoom. I've been receiving wonderful accounts. Alpha course, Alpha course has Holy Spirit weekend. Holy Spirit weekend, just very quickly let you know this is real. So, this person who is an invited guest to Alpha, he is at his workstation. And it's Holy Spirit weekend. So there isn't the, the blessing and, and the means of worship and so forth. People, and if you like, you know, the sense of God's presence in a place. And he's being prayed. The, the, the person leading the Holy Spirit weekend prays for all of them. He is at his workstation. Very normal. Uh, desktop, computer, files, all over. So there's no dress up, you know. And he melts. The love of God overwhelms him. The Holy Spirit makes known to him this amazing, forgiving, 
love of Jesus. A love that does not make you hide. So when I heard his testimony and then he said, it happened behind his desk, very normal situation. I said, Lord, you are great. And I'm not going to lower my expectations about what you're going to do, even in COVID-restricted times with heightened God is always working. And so in the assembly, I just want to encourage us, you know, yeah, it's wonderful, I see all things. You work hard, and it's worth, my friends, PA crew, because we are believing, we're doing not out of a sort of stopgap measure. We're doing it in faith as you release, uh, release the live stream and all. The Spirit of God and the presence of Jesus is known. The Holy, the Holy Spirit dwells in our midst, in community, in assembly. The Holy Spirit enables the life of the church to grow. This is our body life. This is about our relationships, that we grow in love. We grow in holiness. We hold each other accountable. You know, I've been in part of a men's cell group or a discipleship group. Yeah, when they go overseas, the temptation. Because they don't have family with them, they don't have the usual restraints. They need to be accountable to one another. So that in Colossians, this the people of God, spirit-filled people of God, there is no sexual misbehavior and there is no loose and hurting speech. So please understand, uh, the spirit's fullness is not a euphoric feeling. You are lifted into the divine realm, but you return to live holy lives on earth in our relationships. You honor your marriage. Uh, you change your attitude or your... Uh, relationship with your children or with your boss, etc. Uh, it transforms us. And the life of the church, the one anotherness, we love this word, right? Fellowship. Often for us in Singapore, we associate it with food. <laughs> Fellowship is one anotherness. One suffers, all suffer. We're there together and we're spurring one another to fulfill God's purpose. Then community worship. And so wonderful, wonderful. I just want you to know the Holy Spirit filling our times of worship. And in worship, I put in your notes, there are two dimensions. What the Spirit does, what He wants to do, beloved, is to glorify God. So Holy Spirit is not about us feeling good. Holy Spirit's work is about exalting God, giving Him the highest place, putting Trust in Him in the hardest of time. The psalmist says in 116, I was afflicted when I said, you know, all men are liars. In his pain, in his, um, in his bewilderment, but he's still talking to God. So Holy Spirit is always exalting God first and second, building up one another. This just changes our orientation, right? I don't, there are too many people church hopping because they want a place which turns them on. It's very sad. Very sad for God. Christians act like consumers, market consumers. I thank God. All saints, you have a rich history, I believe, of loyalty. I thank God also that He's brought new people 
into your community. God is doing a new thing. And as you come, I believe one of the markers of your church, all saints, is your commitment to each other. There are different blessings, large church, smaller church, but all under God, under God's purpose. And uh, you're building up one another. So when we use gifts, so just to give you an example, because I want to flesh this out, just now when we were worshipping, we're not just watching the worship leader. We're not assessing the lyrics of the song. We're entering in before the throne of God. We're humbling ourselves. We're entering into his presence. And we are asking him if he has words for the body. Because the Holy Spirit builds up one another, you see. And as we worship, we come, we come to receive we also come to say, Lord, do you have a word for the body? And I come to listen, to listen. And as I was listening just now, was when God was saying in my heart, I'm going to enable every All Saints member to live vocationally. The calling I have for them in this season of their life, I'm going to give them the power to live vocationally. And I'm going to call new people to full-time ministry. So we release the word. And then you know in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, we don't have too many because it's hard to handle all, but in an orderly way so that the, the common good, the people are built up. So that's in worship. And the Holy Spirit enables the church to pursue unity. So much division and fractures and bitterness so we are the workshop of the Holy Spirit, beloved. So this weekend, you're going to forgive one another. I believe the work of the Spirit is not just you know, to help you to engage with God. It enables you to engage with God and your engagement with God is authentic because He then influences and affects how you live, how you relate. So it's all to his praise and glory. So that's the indispensable gift of the Holy Spirit for the church, for the believer. Only through the Holy Spirit can Christians live a new life and can the church accomplish her mission. That is why I believe that um, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, is part of our salvation. The gift is indispensable. For too long, He has been we may be acknowledged but marginalized. We are people of the Word and of the Spirit. I want to give you a phrase to understand the Holy Spirit. I had the benefit of being taught by this dear brother, Gordon Fee. And he wrote a classic book, and he calls the Holy Spirit God's empowering presence. God's empowering presence. Because the Holy Spirit is a person, God himself. And the unique thing 
unique feature of the third person of the Holy Spirit, of the Trinity, the third person, is his an empowering presence. Do not fear. I am with you. The Spirit makes it real. I give you power for something which is beyond you. May I say, in this conference, we're going to hand the power back to God. It's very natural, as Singaporeans, to want to maximize your power. Natural. Our whole culture. You can do it. It's within you, you know. The right starting point is, God can do it. And the amazing thing is, He wants to do it through me. God's empowering presence. So that's the person of the Holy Spirit. His effect is likened to wind. So when the Holy Spirit is present, then the effect is like the wind, which we saw in Ezekiel 37. And like the fire. And maybe in Pentecost, you know, there was a sound of a rushing wind. And then fire appeared in tongues of flame. Spiritual writers have reflected it's the fire of God's love. It's the flame of God's love. And it filled them, you know, the love of God. And what he had done in Jesus Christ, they just burst on the streets, telling forth the wondrous deeds of God, just overflowed. I wanted to tell you too that in the 18th century, there was a prayer gathering the Moravians, under the leadership of Zinzendorf, so this is in Europe, they gathered, they gathered, beloved, to seek the Lord, to receive a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came as a flame that melted them. So I want to prepare you how the Holy Spirit is going to fill you and it can be different, but it's the same spirit, wind and fire. Fire that melts, fire that cleanses, fire that also can heal. And they were melted in love. And Hunhut was the name of the place. And from that place came a world missionary movement. And also a 24-7 prayer that lasted for decades and decades, what God had begun through that gathering. In your notes, I missed out something which God made sure I didn't forget by giving the rain this morning. <laughs> so, the Holy Spirit comes also as life-giving water. Right? The Holy Spirit raining down. Don't forget that. Perhaps the river of life, Ezekiel 47, yeah, wherever the river flows, it brings life. May our lives be like that. And then I added, because you see, all this is quite, if you like, spectacular, right? Wind and fire and rain. And then I remembered Elijah, 1 Kings 19. Elijah in 1 Kings 19, God took him to Mount Horeb, and God said, I will meet you there. And there is this uh, earthquake. And then there is this uh, rushing wind. 
And then there is this fire. But God was not in any of them. And then there was a still, small voice. I want to give you the range, beloved, the range in which the Holy Spirit meets with us. And the range could be such that He will meet you in this conference in different ways. You can experience the wind of the Spirit and you come alive and you're, you're, you're reclaiming you know, things that you had committed to God and you're keeping your vows to God and there's a new energy and a new joy. But there could also be just a one word of life. At a confirmation service, I had finished actually praying for this sister and was moving on, but the Holy Spirit gave me a word that she will conceive. I didn't know her, and I didn't know what was her state, but uh, the Holy Spirit releasing us in power to bring life. And so I stopped, I went back to her, and I released the word of prophecy to her. And later on, her father, who was at the service, said to me, Thank you, Bishop, because they've been praying. I think it was about two years they've been trying, and they haven't, haven't had a child. And just maybe a few months ago, he texted me, the father, to say, the word has gone true. He now has a grandchild. So the Holy Spirit, speaking through a still small voice. I'm going to finish with... Uh, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is not, what shall I say, huh? He's not heavy, you know? Yeah, the Holy Spirit is, yeah, He can give you and you're moving. So I was in Fraser's Hill, friends, I was in Fraser's Hill, and uh, one of our friends made available her bungalow there, and it's got beautiful trees and beautiful bogan villas. So it happened these bogan villas were purple in color. So I'm just sitting out enjoying Fraser's. I was alone. I was on a sort of silent retreat. And so this was in the early 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s. And, and, uh, and then suddenly the Holy Spirit said to me, and you will wear purple cloth. And I thought, oh, that's a... Uh, High calling, that's a high calling. But I remember this. I said, Lord, if you are giving me this word, please speak to my wife also. <laughs> because this is going to take two to embrace the calling. So, a life in the Spirit, and it's indispensable for us.